how to start? Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're modern. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to episode 394, where I spoke with comedian Jim Gaffigan. He's best known for his stand-up, but also for acting roles such as My Boys, Troop Zero, and the new film Linoleum. This has been a big interview for me. I've met Jim a few times, saw him do stand-up a few times. It was really nice to sit down and kind of talk about his writing process. We begin by talking about his acting role and why he likes to balance acting and writing and stand-up for the new film Linoleum. Uh, written and directed by Colin West and co-starring Reyes Seahorn from Better Call Saul. The story follows the host of a failing children's science show who tries to fulfill his childhood dream of becoming an astronaut by building a rocket ship in his garage. This movie actually tries to answer a lot of questions. What is success? What is the true meaning of life? What are we trying to accomplish? And it's kind of the perfect jumping off point for us to talk about Jim's life, his struggling early seven or eight years as a comedian, and then kind of what led to everything after that, how he's always been a actor as well. So we talk about writing with your spouse, the difference in stand-up books and screenplays, and even his notes on writing for CBS Sunday Morning. You can also find this interview on Creative Screenwriting's website. Uh, Jim, thanks for your time today. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Brian. Appreciate it. I want to eventually talk a little bit about your writing and, and comedy and everything, but let's start with the new film you're in. Did you always want to be a serious actor or were you more of like, I want to do stand up, maybe get a sitcom, try the Seinfeld route? What were some of your early thoughts about acting? Well, I honestly, I always wanted to, um, I always pursued acting and stand up at the same time, but I just never um, really got as many opportunities in acting because stand up, you have some level of control over your own destiny. But I would also say that um, my understanding of fulfilling acting roles, uh, like I've been on a bunch of sitcoms and I've done single camera comedies, but I would say that the most fulfilling characters to portray end up being dramatic roles. They're, they're, so, um, you know, over the years, finding... Um, uh, creative fulfillment in stand-up or writing or acting, um, I selfishly kind of choose the things that are the most rewarding. And so the acting roles that I end up turning down are, um, you know, they, they you know, they, I just know from experience that it's not going to be as rewarding. I'm not dying to just be in a movie i kind of want i want i love the idea of being a a, a a partner or a good soldier in a creative process because i had my own show so i i i want to kind of like be that partner that i was looking for um but yeah it really it's it's been an evolution you know what i mean like i think that obviously i love getting laughs and and comedies are fun but portraying cameron and Cameron and Kent and linoleum, there's a different 
level of um, fulfillment and maybe complexity that is more rewarding than uh, being in kind of like a screwball comedy. It seems like Cameron kind of has a chip on his shoulder. What were some of your instincts with this character? What did you like about him? Yeah, I mean, well, I liked um, I liked about Cameron that there is a little bit it's it's I didn't want to play him as a victim, but I also I think anyone who's, you know, gone through life and uh, achieved any success or or struggled you know, you're going to be affected by those things. So like Cameron kind of discusses that when he was at one point, he mentions that he won an award early in college. And the reality is, is everyone in their forties has had moments where it looks like it's all gravy and they've had moments where it looks like it's past the opportunity has passed. And so I think that Cameron's journey in this movie is, you know, there, I don't want to give anything away, but I think that like, are you going to be bitter? Are you going to like, what is, what is the uh, important thing? What is fantastical? Is it career ambition or is it relationships and, or is, is success is his success maybe breaking the cycle that his father had portrayed? You know what I mean? Um, and some of this is I've seen the movie so many times <laughs> that I'm, I might be talking about it in, in a different level, but this movie presents these questions like, what is success? What is the true meaning of, of, of life? What are we trying to accomplish what is like i think there's part of me that thinks that this movie is just a big love story you know what i mean it's that's what really gets me at the end of this movie is uh and i don't want to give anything away is the um that that there is some grand um grand kind of commitment that that is revealed that I think is beautiful. You know what I mean? That like when we talk about other people, we can see selflessness and um, longevity and great commitment as beautiful. But when we look at it within ourselves, we don't necessarily see that. Does that make sense? Yeah. There, there's a theme throughout the movie that it's not that simple. Did that relate to you? And I, I know, I think you, maybe you got your first uh, Comedy Central Presents type thing around age 32. How do yeah. you think about your own persistence with comedy and with his character? Oh, yeah. No, I think there is, you know, it's it's also, it, it, it's, it's also confusing because, look, the entertainment industry is the perception business. So, and it's creating stories. So this movie is also, we create stories, right? And so we tell ourselves stories. So what I would say is that if you look at my career, it might be viewed as, oh my gosh, this guy has got everything. 
But the reality is, is I was somebody that was uh, told to study business and finance and success was wearing a coat and tie. And, and it was very unfulfilling for me. And eventually, I had to make my own uh, decisions. And so then I made this decision to pursue acting and stand up. And, and I had no success whatsoever for seven, eight years. And from outside perspective and a personal perspective, it was like, it's not going to happen. And so I went through therapy and I was like, all right, what am I, am I doing this so that I can tell people I was on the tonight show or I was in a commercial or why am I doing this? And I came to the decision that I'm doing this because it's creatively fulfilling. And so once I embraced that creatively fulfilling aspect, then I started experiencing some success. Then I was on the letterman show and because i was on the letterman show people thought okay well if he thinks he's funny maybe he is funny and so then i started you know but like the narrative can be that the show welcome to new york didn't work and so then it's a failure but because i had learned just seeking creative fulfillment is what i'm going for i kind of you know uh tied myself up in stand-up because acting is such a insane pursuit that i you know just concentrated on stand-up and so then i started touring and people would be like oh that's an incredible success uh, like the the perception is oh that's a great success but the reality was is that i was the last of my peers to ever get a late night show mm. when i would go on stage bookers would literally leave the club because they're like he's you know he's not the right guy and so and i've been in a fair amount of movies but the perception is that he's a comedian who does acting but i've always done acting uh you know what i mean like even when i did my first um my first comedy, my first, I did my first hour special, which was Beyond the Pill. There was a, a little blurb in the USA Today that, because the perception, and this wasn't wrong, the perception was that I was a sitcom actor. So they said sitcom actor Jim Gaffigan does stand-up comedy. So, and that was the perception. And so now I've done all these indies and, and in most interviews, people are like, is it weird to do acting when you're a comedian? And so it's, so it, it's a perception thing. Right. Yeah. And so I'm, you know, in some ways I, I've also been doing it long enough to like where I'm, I'm not even bothered by it, but it is, I'm just, I, whatever I can do, to present myself very selfishly with a great opportunity for a fulfilling acting role. That's what I want. Like, I don't have an expectation of, you know, um, you know, a golden globe or anything like that. I just want the good acting roles, but I would say if getting a golden globe will help me get that acting role, give me the golden globe. Does that make sense? Do you feel like this might be an odd question? Like I've heard, um, like if I think of Bill Murray or Zach Galifianakis, they're yeah. just kind of funny. Um, like, and you're you're kind of in that category as well. Do you have to almost like 
change your expressions like this is an expression on stage this is one for film do you think about minute things like that um no i don't think i think that um i think comedians are actually some of the more sincere people Mm. and i think that um you know someone like bill murray or zach galifianakis um it's it's uh it's kind of i don't understand music but it's kind of like the the you do the note that's not supposed to be there you know what i mean it's but i would say that um understanding those situations it's it's also it's just pacing you know what i mean like understanding the structure of jokes and what makes things funny it's actually more fulfilling to not do the joke mm. do you know what I mean? it's probably why when we're around people that are constantly funny we find it fucking exhausting <laughs> because you're like enough you know what i mean and so there is something about I mean, stand-up comedy is such an individual pursuit, right? You're up there by yourself and you're you're, you know, you can adjust wherever you want. That being in an acting role and part of a team, it's it's so very different, but it's also really, really fulfilling, also. Mm-hmm. It's like playing these simple moments or instead of getting the laugh it's like sitting in the vulnerability uh which is you know i think what what humans we don't want to sit in that vulnerability that's why we want the distraction which is why we're always you know scrolling through it's like i don't want to sit in the reality that uh, i've made this horrible career choice you know what i mean i'll stroll through instagram Need some but, cheap, cheap dopamine just to get right going. Yeah. yeah. Well, tell me. So, a bigger question I'm sure you've been asked a lot is how do you balance a large family with your work? I'm actually a little bit more interested in when did your wife start writing with you? How did that kind of come to be? How do you guys do that logistically? Yeah. I mean, it's like I gotta, I gotta, I mean, here's the question How do I adjust that? I don't know how to adjust that on my Wikipedia. But here, let me describe the whole process. So I start dating my wife. Um, and at that point, I'm a 90s comic. A 90s York City comic is someone that writing is everything. Mm-hmm. You see this in like um in David Tell, um, you know, Louis C.K. Um Mark, you know, it's like it's the material is king. Mm-hmm. Performance, the audience should like the joke. It doesn't matter if they like you. They should like the joke should be so good, you're not important. So writing is the key element. And so there is something where you would never farm it out. There's uh, you know, the collaboration thing, that's like borscht belt. That's weird. It's uh, you know, authenticity and and the the purity of the joke. I mean, you deliver it properly, but you would never collaborate. But the reality is, is I started dating my wife. She started coming around with me. She's she was worked in sketch and she's a theater and she's a director and all that. 
And the reality is, is that the collaboration began to happen. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, you know, I would run things by her. She would have, she's someone with a strong opinion. She would say, I don't like this. I like this. And so the reality is, I felt like it was dishonest to not acknowledge this collaboration. Mm. And so then we got married. And so, um, and then, you know, she would come with me to shows. We would discuss things afterwards. We would, she was kind of a director and kind of a writer on, on the, this project. She knew my point of view. She knew when I was getting lazy. She knew when I was, you know, like you, you lost the intention of some joke and, 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 you know, not even all comedians can do that for other comedians. Mm. And so then it came a point where I did my first hour special beyond the pill and I had no material. So then I have to write another one. So then I'm in this panic mode of writing and inevitably I'm writing with this person who's been this partner. And so then I had to acknowledge it. I mean, it would just be dishonest. And so I was like, all right, so we're writing everything together. And so then I, we, uh, we, I write a book with her that is fat and, you know, I can write blurbs, but you know, she's much more of a, a longhand writer, you know, I don't know that that's even a term. And so then, um, so then the collaboration is there, but as this is going on, our family's growing, we have three, four, five kids. And so what happens is understandably the relationship the writing relationship shifts so it shifts from like us drinking wine together after a show at stand up new york to me waking her up or she's breastfeeding and i'm like all right we got to think of more bacon jokes all right and so then it progressively gets to we have five kids we can't write like we normally do but there are these special times when she can come and uh, have notes. Say mm. I'm in Milwaukee where she's from, her family can help out and we have babysitters and she's at shows or I'm on a tour bus and we bring a babysitter and she comes to every show. And so there's moments and then it evolves to my, our kids are getting older. My wife gets a brain tumor We've, uh, you know, so then we're going, she can't write when she's like recovering from a brain tumor. And then she proceeds to write her own book uh, Hmm. when life gives you pairs. So then she's not writing stand-up when she's writing a book. And so then, um, then there's, uh, you know, the kids get older. And so there's the the collaboration has shifted pretty dramatically now that being said now it's kind of like i record you know like there'll be a thumb drive of a video feed in an arena that i'll give her and she'll watch it when she has time Mm -hmm. and she'll email me notes while i'm touring so like the collaboration is still there but it's always I got to get it off my, my, my Wikipedia, because it sounds like we're sitting down and writing together every day. Yeah. When the reality is, is that sometimes um, it's, it's just, you you don't have that luxury. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Or yeah. 
do you do you have difficulty you kind of mentioned you, you guys had a show you've written a couple of books now yeah. it seems like writing stand-up where every syllable is so precious it would be hard for you to take that mental shift and some of some of uh maybe not a sitcom but some of a book is kind of just getting to the next story like is it harder for you to do those things where you are just writing longer versions of it yeah i mean it's yeah you know there is stand-up spoils people on a lot of things um there's an immediacy to the creative fulfillment um so you know stand-up versus uh, an acting role. It's like an acting role. I've described it as it's kind of uh, the audition process is like stripping, but you don't get a dollar, right? It's just, you're like, do they, do you want me? No, you don't want me. Okay. Um, and so stand up, you have control, but, and I'm going to answer your question. Whereas in, when you get these acting opportunities, you have to dive in and you know, it reminds me of gardening. It's like you're you're kind of working on it every day. You're interpreting the script and you're kind of growing little aspects and you're you have to adjust based on other performances and and the direction and you want to be a good soldier and all this stuff for the team of the project. Whereas with writing, stand-up wise, there's writing on stage, there's coming up with an idea, there's executing that idea rewriting it's a lot of rewriting in stand-up but like when i do the cbs sunday commentaries often those are like 300 400 words and it's just like oh yeah i'll do that and so those will come out really quick because of either it's a simple idea or a simple complaint or it's one of those things where if I got too far deep, it's weird. CBS, those commentaries are actually, they probably hold me back from writing longer because if I go too far, then it's too long. Yeah. So it's like, all right, it's like the example is like, um, all right, what, I mean, I don't even know what my last one was about, but it's like you sit there and you go, all right, I, I hate baseball caps. Why do I hate basketball baseball caps? And and then make fun of myself, and then it's done. You know what I mean? So, But as a writer, there's some of it is that organizing that reminds me of gardening. and um, But the fulfillment, the creative fulfillment in these three pockets, you know, stand-up writing and acting are – pretty amazing but i think the communal aspect because stand-up is solitary and writing is solitary mm -hmm. the communal aspect of acting is probably the healthiest thing i do even though actors are fucking crazy you know Hey, thanks for tuning in to the show. So many great lessons on screenwriting there. If you're looking for some more information, though, some more about the craft of writing for television, uh, we have a new chorus called Script Mastermind, where we have 21 of our proven experts telling you how to write for television, how to write a screenplay, how to break in, things like that. 
Uh, this includes shows of Gordon Levitt, Judd Apatow, also the writers of shows like Handmaid's Tale, Mosquito Coast, Hunters, Solar Opposites, Resident Alien, WandaVision, the list goes on and on. Check that out. Uh, you can get this all right now for $1 at scriptmastermind.com television. That is the television screenwriting masterclass. It is at scriptmastermind.com television. We'll see you next time with a new episode.